Hi there, and welcome to Zero Half Hour, brought to you by Zero Hour Health and Zedic, a podcast where we talk with leaders from across the food service industry and beyond about the pressing issues of the day in 30 minutes or less. Our goal is to share ideas from diverse perspectives on a range of topics that matter to every business in the current and post-COVID eras. I'm Rosalind Stone, CEO of Zero Hour Health. Joining me today is Sarah Lockyer. Many of you know Sarah as the editor-in-chief for Nation's Restaurant News, but you may not know that 45 days ago, Sarah joined the Elliott Group as the chief brand officer. Welcome, Sarah. So much to talk about. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you, Rosalind. Um, Good to see you, or good to speak with you. Um, Give us a little bit about your background, who you are, what you've done, what you're doing now, because you just made a big leap. (laughs) I did. I did indeed. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for having myself and the Elliott Group on your awesome podcast. I was just telling you earlier, but want to tell those listening, it's a great podcast. You're a great host and it's really fun to be here. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. So me. So Sarah Lockyer. So career wise uh, for almost 20 years, about 17, but who's counting? I have, you know, been working in media and marketing services from the, the business-to-business perspective. Almost all of that in restaurants and food service or retail food service. Very, very brief post-graduate school reporting job at uh, American Banker, which was banking technology. So I was very excited to be able to leap into the restaurant space, as you can imagine, because that is a lot more fun than uh banking technology, which sounds pretty much exactly as, as it is. Um, so I'm not even going to go there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, not ATMs and uh, online banking, not, not exactly exciting. Um, but nonetheless, it, it was a great start. And uh, for about, you know, 15 of my career, 15 years of my career so far, it's really been reporting and writing and being editor in chief and trying to be very tuned in and connected and keyed into the industries that I was covering and serving, which at that time and has been forever restaurants. Um, the past five years or so moved much more into content strategy, content creation. Uh, and then the last three years, I was very uh, lucky to be able to be the publisher and director of Nation's Restaurant News which brought everything together, right? Sales, marketing, content, everything you need to run a business. And um, really proud of that, extremely proud of that brand. You know, Nation's Restaurant News is uh, 50 plus years old and, and has been, you know, what I believe and what others believe a hallmark of the food service industry. So it has been uh, very cool to have experienced that and done that for so long. Uh, And then most recently, about 45 days ago, decided to take quite a leap into a completely different world, luckily still very much rooted in food service, but moved over to the world of the Elliott Group. Uh, The Elliott Group is a human capital strategy firm, a very high level executive search consulting firm. And that is what the Elliott Group does to connect talents to opportunities to really help businesses grow and succeed. Uh, I am here to help elevate that Elliott brand, uh, if that's even possible. Those who know the Elliott Group know how elevated it is. Um, But the thought leadership uh, opportunity here and the institutional knowledge here is incredible. And so my opportunity is to really bring that much more to the forefront so that we can help and teach and share our knowledge with uh, with a broader group of people. Perhaps even more exciting than that is what will be the launch of the Elliott Leadership Institute, 
which will be a nonprofit organization to spur leadership development, really encourage what we keep talking about as courageous behavior and, and how we can build a, a new generation or a future generation of a very authentic, you know, responsible, forward-thinking leadership uh, for all industries. So that's me. I'm also a mom, also a wife, also a reader, also a writer, all that good stuff. Well, that's great. And I think that's an incredible leap, as you know. Um, if there were an Alice Elliott fan club, I would want to be president. And there is. There's a huge fan club. You <laughs> know, is, you and I discussed is. this over over dinner a few weeks ago. But um, um, I met Alice, you know, a, a, a bit before before COVID and before lockdown. And, um, and another publisher introduced me to her, couldn't believe that she and I didn't know each other, and stood there and said to me, I can't imagine two people that know more people in common than you and Alice Elliott. And Alice invited me to lunch and I went to your conference room in the Elliott group and sat there and it's surrounded by pictures of, of people, Alice and people in the industry. And yes, half of our clients, there's Alice with this client and that client and, you know, there's Russ Bendel and there's, you know, all, you know, Joe Cato and all those, those people. Yeah. Um, talk to me about COVID cause you have kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Twins, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yes. Wow. Um, <laughs> um, how did you? How and where did you ride out lockdown? Lockdown. Uh, well, so I'm in New York City, mm-hmm. and I was in New York City the whole time. <laughs> so uh, I love the city. I've been here, you know, since '99. Um, probably, hopefully, we'll never leave. Um, but yeah, we stuck it out. You know, we have a, a wonderful apartment. I'm very lucky. Um, we were not affected. Uh, by COVID in terms of, you know, personal direct, no one in my immediate family uh, got sick. So we were very lucky. Uh, we have a good network of people that, that help, good neighbors. Uh, and you know New York. It, it's true. It, it bands together when it needs to. And the city felt that way. It still feels that way. Um, and then there was a little tiny, tiny silver lining of many people, uh, in my neighborhood at least, leaving the city. So <laughs> the city actually became a, a little bit of a more pleasant place in some ways with uh, lots of space. And, you know, some of the playgrounds were closed for a couple months, but parks were open. And, and so, no, we were there. Um, for me, what was most interesting, because I was at Nation's Restaurant News at the time, is that, you know, clearly we were, we were covering what was happening in the world. Uh, obviously with the filter of how this was affecting the restaurant industry. And I, I mean, I've just really never seen anything like it. Um, I'm sure many of you feel and others feel the same way. I mean, this is a, a global moment in time that is unprecedented. And what we were seeing day in and day out uh, from the restaurant space was both I- extremely unsettling, but also extremely inspiring. I mean, truly. Mm-hmm. Um and it was hard. It was hard, I think, for the team at Nation's Restaurant News or any, and frankly, any reporter or anyone in the business that's connected to the business to see, you know, what teams were going through, leaders, uh, independent restaurants that had to, to close their doors on their dreams, you know, truly. And they truly were dreams. And other national chains who had obviously much more resources, you know, furloughing employees, shutting down shifts, like closing locations. I mean, this was, it was pretty incredible. Um you know, at this point, we're so far down the road that we also have some good success stories, which is nice. Um, but yeah, it was it was a pretty wild ride. Yeah. You know, earlier you talked about, you know, courageous leadership. We saw unbelievable courageous leadership. 
Um, we saw innovation. We saw, you know, we saw restaurants and businesses reinvent themselves overnight. We as a company at Zero Hour Health and Zedek reinvented ourselves over this time. Um, but it's, um, you know, the courageous leadership that we've seen and we continue to see is, is something. And the challenges still keep rolling. You know, New York City, to talk about New York City, I don't know if you saw the news, but, but Mayor de Blasio did not re-sign the emergency order about propane heaters for outside dining. I, um, I can't even go there right this second. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not go there. Let's not. Right. Let's not go anywhere uh, political, especially with, with the with the words Mayor de Blasio in them. <laughs> like, yeah. There's some very interesting choices being made. But no, I agree with you. Look, the stories of, of hardship were, were many, and we all know them. Um, but looking forward, which I think everybody wants to do at this stage, you know, the stories of those that stepped in, stepped up stepped out of their comfort zones and really made some courageous decisions are are the case studies that we're going to be, you know, reading about and following and really distilling for generations to come. Absolutely. Um, it's and it's re- so it's a, it's a very powerful moment I think for this industry and and frankly to get even broader, you know, I I hope that it's a powerful moment for everyone to see how important and how desired the restaurant industry is. Uh, it's mm-hmm. easy to take what restaurateurs do for granted. Uh, I'm definitely guilty of that. I get delivery every night. I I don't really cook. I go out. I enjoy it. Um, And obviously working in that, in or around that industry, I had a a strong level of respect for what happens in those businesses. But the general public doesn't know. And that's okay. You know, not everybody knows what goes on in every business. But I do think that now... People know and see that the workforce of the restaurant industry were frontline workers risking, frankly, their lives to feed their communities. And that's really true and powerful. And I hope that that feeling sticks with, you know, the consumer base and that we we are all kind of elevated in our thoughts for how we all support each other and help each other. Um, Stepping back for a minute. You've had a sort of a, a bird's eye view of the industry over the last decade and longer. How is the how did the industry evolve before this, before COVID? What did you see? You know, what were the major evolution points for you from your perch? Totally, yeah. It's you know what I was thinking about this before we got on the line here. I was like, wow, you know, I joined Nations Restaurant News in two thousand and four, long time ago, um, back then, which is so funny to say back then, but truly back then, it was a lot about being a professional restaurant operator. Uh, The expression was, you know, ketchup in the veins. And that's how the business ran. And that's where the leaders were from. The influx of capital, sophisticated capital, private equity, venture capital, institutional investors, you know, taking advantage of the public markets, those those elements all changed the game. And some some in great ways and some in not so great ways, but the the restaurant industry became more sophisticated. Uh, you know, even today is a perfect example, right? We have Portillo's going public today. Um, market closed, I didn't know what it closed at, but it definitely launched really high. I think it was a 30%, you know, uh, markup from, from its IPO pricing, you know, raising hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And that's great. Um, the Food Network, right, is also another part of what elevated the industry beyond what I think it was, you know, back those 15 plus years ago. 
right? We all know chefs are celebrities right now. And even beyond chefs, it's the business owner is a celebrity, right? You have the all the startup shows and, and the facets of food service are now very uh, transparent to the public. And so that has changed. And so I think it became, it was always a huge industry, of course, but in some ways it was also a very small one. Uh, a lot of the people were the same. A lot of the thinking was the same. And from, you know, 04 till today, it's just, it's exploded. Uh, you know, the franchisee market is hot. People want to be franchisees. They want to be owners. They want to start a restaurant. They want to be chefs. And all of these things are very viable uh, opportunities, which is, is pretty cool and pretty inspiring. Um, so from the consumer perspective, I think we've seen a lot change as well. Um, back when uh, plant-based or, or vegan, that those were, those were niche, you know, uh, on the edge consumers back then. And it was, mm -hmm. oh, cool, maybe you have one item for someone who's vegetarian. <laughs> or, you know, and now, I mean, now there are concepts fully plant-based. Now there are the, the best chefs in the world opening completely vegan or vegetarian menus. There's McDonald's, you know, rolling out a plant-based burger. I mean, it, the, the, the shift from a food perspective over the last 10 to 15 years has been staggering. And then beyond food, but also in the consumer realm, the the shift to on demand, the on demand nature of food service, mm -hmm. it has it, just rapidly changed everything. Uh, restaurants were, you know, walk in or drive through. Um, those were kind of your choices. And now you know, I mean, it's just an omni-channel approach to everything. If I want a taco, I can go on my phone and order a taco with all of the customized toppings I want and have someone, you know, deliver it to me in 20 minutes. It's, it's incredible what we can do now, but it's also very difficult. And, you know, a lot of the companies that evolved along with this change are successful, but some of those um, companies couldn't. So I think the, the menu nature, the digital nature, and the influx of real sophisticated capital to the food service industry were probably the three you know, largest changes, at least, that, that I've seen. Interesting. You didn't mention ghost kitchens, and you didn't mention meal kits. True. Oh, meal kits. Good one. Yeah, ghost kitchens. Very good one. Totally. I mean, that's so hot right now. I'm so curious to see where that goes. I don't know where that's going to go. I, 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 some days I am all about it and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the future. Like this is where the whole industry mm -hmm. is going. And then other days I'm like, oh man, nobody wants this. This is not, you know, like, there's too many of them. It's going to consolidate. Someone's going to win out. Someone's going to lose. So I don't, I don't know where that goes, but you're totally right. I mean, that's just the general evolution of that kind of omni-channel approach. Um, absolutely. And meal kits, yeah, that's fascinating. I always think of meal kits as like the new home meal replacement, right? I feel like back in the day, that's what it was called. Um, yeah, I think that any restaurant that wants to be present where a consumer is needs to be exploring retail, needs to be exploring kits, even subscription services, right? Mm -hmm. We saw that a fair amount during COVID. Very smart brands moving into the subscription meal game. And I actually think Panera was a, a great example of a company that's looking at all of the avenues and all of the channels where it can get, you know, the food that it's very proud of into the customer's hands. Purple carrot, encapsulating 
many of the things that you just talked about, Purple Carrot, which is a, a vegan a vegan meal kit service, was very popular in my house in the early part of COVID until nice. until we got bored. But, yeah. <laughs> but but it lasted. It was it was great, and you didn't worry about shortages, and you you know they came every week on the right day, and um, it was great. It's helpful. It's very helpful. Yeah. So that that's fascinating. Fascinating perspectives. Um, so the Elliott Group has a unique perspective into the future in this industry. Yes. What are the trends that are popping up for you? Yeah. No, I appreciate that question. I mean, so the Elliott Group, I agree, has an extremely unique perspective, right? Um, just 45 days in, I'm definitely still learning, you know, how major and influential uh, that perspective is. And I'm still very much so in learning mode. Um, but what I do know, and, and I have known, which is why I was very eager to to join this team here, is that... You know, this, this, this group is so impactful, but it's also so fanatical about the importance of real authentic and responsible and committed leadership. And, you know, what Alice Elliott, Bill, you know, we mentioned her, you know, her tenure and, and, and how wonderful she is in the industry, what she built and then what the team here does, you know, each day is look to be a true partner to companies that are in need of human capital strategy, right? Whether that's support uh, whether that's real, you know, benchmarking data. There's just there's so much in that, in that regard. And I think what everyone here is seeing and has seen for the past eighteen months, if not a little more, but definitely now, is that you know this is such a moment in time. And and I tr- I feel really lucky to be a part of it. I truly do because at what better moment now is there to really help companies, to help leaders achieve the growth and success they want to by aligning, you know, real talent and opportunity. Because that that's that's the surge that we need right now, right? I mean, we, we I know we're gonna talk about the labor crisis and that's what is happening. There is a need for this real strategic look at leadership, at management, at workforce, and how all of the, the C-suite players and others feed together into this notion of brand building and this notion of being a place where people want to and are proud to work. And so what I think the Elliott Group is seeing is that the brands that have a very defined leadership style, a defined leadership strategy, uh, a real uh, purpose are those that are going to attract the best talent, that are going to retain the best talent, and they're going to have the higher likelihood of, of achieving their goals, whatever goals they may be. You know, is that the IPO like Portillo's, or is it, you know, being a very strong, powerful, you know, menu culinary-led regional powerhouse? There's many goals that people have, and they're all fine, but all of them will need leadership, accountability, responsibility, empathy, authenticity. And I think the LA group understands that and understands how that moment is now, I think better than any. I would, I would totally agree. So you, you mentioned the staffing crisis and you know, I want to talk about it. Any end in sight? Do we really understand what caused it? Can we fix it? Good questions. Such good (laughs) questions. I I was like laughing. I'm like, oh my God, if I knew the answers to those questions, I mean, you know, I, 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 doing something else and hopefully cashing cashing some big checks right yeah (laughs) um but no i well first of all it is a crisis it's funny because for many quite some time i shied away from that word i i I just didn't like it i you know it's a i wanted another word for it but i've really become pretty comfortable in in yes this this really is a crisis this is a crisis for the food service industry there's no question um 
you know, you can read all the statistics. I'm sure, you know, you have, and I'm sure many people who are listening to this have. You know, I think just in August, it was 4.3 million Americans who walked away from their jobs. Um, and in the food service sector, people are leaving at a greater rate than almost any other sector. So this is a crisis. Um, we all read about the great resignation. Um, but for us, I think in food service, it's a little different. Um, I think the great resignation is a lot about uh, moving on to greener pastures, perhaps, or choosing that that moment in time to do your dream job, or I've always wanted to be a freelance this, and I'm going to go do it. it, it the, those two words to me um, aren't always exactly what, what, what I see at least happening in the restaurant space. And I think that while it's a crisis, it's obviously an opportunity. And, you know, that's a little bit cliche, but it's true. It's very, very true. It's a moment for the food service space to think differently, to act differently. Um, you know, hospitality, I think, has to work very hard to be a place where people want to work um, and where they feel privileged to work and can contribute. Um, and that's kind of a full stop. Like, I do think the hospitality industry has to work hard to become an industry where people want to work. Uh, it's a very tough industry, um, and it's only getting tougher. All those things we just talked about, right? The demands from the customer, the demands from digital. There's supply chain issues right now that those probably aren't going away anytime soon. Pricing changes, inflation, you know, new rollouts of menu that customers demand, you know, uh, discounting when the economy isn't working and people don't have disposable income. I mean, there is a very, very tough industry. Um, but companies that, that will win will look at this moment less as a great resignation and more as a, you know, a great reset or a great uh, reconnection because I think we all need to evaluate uh, our level of engagement between you know, people and companies. And talent today really wants to align. They want to align with leadership or with corporate principles or with management behavior Right, even product, they want to align with the product that they're a part of either selling or making or serving. Um, they want to align with social footprint. So yes, there is wages that need to be discussed. There is flexibility that has to be built in. There is career or educational development that companies can and should be offering. There's ways for people to grow and we need to make that more clear. You know, that, that to me is kind of the building blocks, but what has to be there is that leadership element. And, and that understanding that talent today wants to be aligned with something very positive and very purposeful. And what's great for the restaurant space is there are a lot of brands that do that. There are mm -hmm. brands built out of passion. There are brands that have very defined purposes. There are brands that don't believe they're just making food. They believe they're feeding the world. Like there are a lot of spaces for people to work and be very proud of the work they do in hospitality. And we just need to keep saying that so that those that are interested in a career in this industry feel like they belong and that they can grow and they can achieve what they want to achieve. But it's a moment where this can be a big change for this industry. I really believe that. It doesn't have to be the industry that fights minimum wage or the industry that doesn't want to provide flexible schedules or the industry that fights over paid sick leave. It doesn't have to be that. It can be an industry that, that creates places for people of all kinds to succeed. And I, I mean, I could go on with this forever. I get very, very passionate about it, but I just, I believe it. I really believe it. And I think now is the moment for us to be able to do that.
I totally agree with you. And and I and I love how passionately you talk about talk about that. One last last um question for you and this is leaning into your communications expertise. So before COVID, we saw we saw brands decimated with a foodborne illness outbreak. That's the space that we we've been yeah. been heavily in. As a communications professional, what were those lessons learned? Um and what did COVID teach us about communications lessons? Those are great questions. And I, and I know the space you play in is, is so, uh, so needed, you know, now more than ever. But those, you know, foodborne illnesses also aren't going away, right? They're I mean, back. You, you we know we that, had this very gonna... nice little break that's gone. <laughs> totally. It's so funny because I, you know, I'm, this is a little tangent, but, you know, yeah, my kids are young. It's their first time in school. They're both four. And I think they've been sick twice because, you know, during lockdown and COVID, we were at home and didn't really travel and now they're with kids and they're touching stuff and they're sneezing <laughs> on each other and I'm like, you know, yeah, people are back and they're getting sick. So no, I get that. But no, the questions around, you know, communication strategy, I mean, I'm definitely not a communications expert, especially in crisis communications, but I do think that there are, you know, some very clear basics that don't go, ever go away. Um, and that really is speed and it's safety, transparency and correction. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. speed, you have to react and respond immediately. You know, no questions asked. To me, safety, you know, you have to remember the first and foremost, you have to make sure your, your team is safe. You know, your customers are safe. Like, what, what is the safety protocol here? Transparency is a big one. And I know that that has ebbed and flowed, I think, when it comes to communication strategy. But it, you just today's world, you need to be as honest and transparent as possible. There's just no getting around that. Um, and then correction, fix it. You know, right. if you made mistakes, fix it. If if you didn't make mistakes, but you think you can be better, great, fix that. Um, and it's not easy, you know, to break it down into four kind of keywords. <laughs> it's like, it makes it sound easy. It's not easy. There's a lot of steps within those kind of four buckets, so to say. But, you know, you can find case studies of those that did it well and those that did it not so well. And it typically comes down, you know, to that speed and safety, transparency and correction. Um, so that would be, you know, my, my thinking, but you're kind of an expert here too. So I think well, we've what always, you think. We, we've always had three, you know, three points or three tenets of, of crisis response that have carried through consistently for, for 25 plus years, you know, do the next right thing, do more than anyone else and be honest with everyone, your employees, your guests, the regulators, the media and so forth. If you follow those three things, you can get out of any situation, you know, regardless of whether it was your fault or not, you can get out of get out of any situation. I love that. I absolutely love that. I'm going to ask you to send that to me over email. I love those You've got sentences. It. You've got it. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for your time today. I will see you soon. And um, so glad that you're at LA Group now. Thanks, Rosin. I really appreciate it. Talk Thanks. to you soon. Take care. That's our show for today. Thanks again for taking the time to join us. Stay tuned for our next episode in your inboxes and on your podcast app of choice soon. As always, if you have any topics or questions you'd like us to cover or have a guest we should chat with, don't hesitate to reach out to us at support at zerohourhealth.com. To learn more about us and subscribe to our twice-weekly executive summary, check out zerohourhealth.com. Thanks again. Thank you.